Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us is Bill Crystal from the Weekly Standard. And Bill, please don't cut the podcast budget the same way that Obama's talking about cutting the defense budget, because I don't know what we're going to do. Well, we'll be, you'll be doing this on a tin can for a <laughs> you know, little hovel somewhere on the outskirts of Boston. I don't know. What, 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 what would be the analogy? What would be the analogy? I, I, it would really be going back to eight-track tapes, I think, at yeah, this that's point. It. That's good. I, that's good. That's good. But it is interesting to see the kind of cuts that uh, the Obama administration is talking about when just a couple of years ago, the Secretary of State, uh, Secretary of Defense at the time, Bill Gates, said that cuts you know, uh, smaller than this, that a net uh, defense budget higher than this would be a catastrophe, a disaster. And now apparently catastrophe and disaster are the uh, policy of the Obama administration. It is remarkable. I mean, this is the budget number that was envisioned, I suppose, in the in the Paul Ryan, Patty Murray budget deal. So in a way, we people are being a little more surprised than they should be. Mm-hmm. And also, this has been happening for two, three, four years. When Gates said that, he was trying to forestall even deeper cuts than Obama had ordered in 2011, which he ordered really with no strategic basis and uh, no real uh, uh, intellectual work having been done. They just wanted to find a place to get some money from so they could pretend they were cutting the deficit. And sure enough, they got it from defense. That's now happened two or three or four times, and it's one of those things where, you know, one round of cuts, okay, there's some savings to be gotten. Second round of cuts, well, it's getting tough, but maybe you can squeeze here and there. Now we're really, uh, and you can tell this from what uh, Defense Secretary Hagel announced, we're really cutting serious elements of national power, um, and it's very dangerous. I mean, I really, uh, I do think it may have broken through finally. Some of us, I mean, God knows, Luke Sanders probably written more about this than any other magazine, and <laughs> been alarmed about this for three, four years, but five years, uh, even more, actually, because Rumsfeld didn't, for all the talk about the great hikes in the defense budget under Bush, we, of course, paid for the wars, but we didn't right. actually hike the underlying budget much, and, and um, so we've never been as serious as we should be about what we should be paying to keep ourselves safe and keep the world a reasonably safe face. Not that much. I mean, the current defense budget is about 3% of GDP, 3%. You know, that we're a richer country than we've ever been. Uh, we spent 8 10% during the Cold War, now 3%. It's not enough to, to give anyone any assurance that um, we can do what we have to do around the world. And, and, I'm, I'm, and it's very worrisome because you can fix some other problem. The new president gets in. He changes our attitude towards uh, Russia or China or Iran or towards Israel. And, you know, the, the change can happen pretty fast, actually. And, the, and you can make up for some of the damage done under President Obama. The new president can get in in 2017, but he can't snap his fingers and suddenly miraculously make soldiers and Marines appear, right. you know, have new airlines come on online uh, and, and so forth. So uh, the defense cuts would take longer to fix. There's also a certain level of schizophrenia on this uh, decision because in the same announcement where the defense cuts are announced, uh, Secretary Hagel said that the world looks like a very dangerous place and we face a multitude of threats. James Clapper just said that in his entire career, which I think he said was 50 years, which would be pretty phenomenal, that uh, he's never seen as many threats arise, you know, uh, aligned against the United States. And so, hi, there's a lot of threats. There's a lot of dangers. They're kind of unusual dangers. You can't all put them in one box. And by the way, we're going to get rid of a bunch of tools that we would use to solve those problems should they arise. Look, I'm no big fan of Chuck Hagel. I'm not that much of a fan of Clapper either. Those guys know this is terrible. I mean, you can tell it from Hagel's announcement yesterday, as you just said. He gets up and says we can't take American dominance for granted. He basically acknowledges that that dominance that we once had, which we never took for granted, that we spent a lot of money and exerted a lot of effort for, but that that helps keep the world safe, helps keep our enemies in check, helps win the Cold War. And then he basically announces these cuts. 
I, I, there's no responsible person, honestly, in the Defense Department and in the national security world, I think, uh, who believes in U.S. leadership. Now, if you don't believe in U.S. leadership, I guess you can justify a huge number of cuts. But if you think that there's something kind of important mm-hmm. about America having some weight to exert around the world, uh, if you think that our enemies aren't going away, if you think the use of force might have occasionally be necessary, uh, if unfortunate, uh, then you are worried about these cuts. And I think Hegel and Clapper are. And we shouldn't, you know, some of my, our conservative friends are talking about Hegel said this, Hegel said that, and that's fine, of course. But these are Obama's cuts. Let's not kid ourselves. This is Obama's budget. And Congress is complicit. The Republican Party is to some degree complicit. True. But the President of the United States is, has the leadership uh, uniquely on defense and foreign policy. You know, domestic policy, Congress does a lot. But if the president had stood up and said we need $550 billion, we need these programs, this number of ships, these number of, this number of Marines and, 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 and soldiers, uh, Congress would not have fought him. Uh, Paul Ryan's Republican budget is always at a higher number for defense. So one can spread the blame around. I'm not happy about Hegel as SecDef. I'm not happy about a lot of the, some of the Republicans in Congress not being serious enough about defense. But at the end of the day, this is really one man's defense budget, and that's Barack Obama. And if I understood the strategy, like, you know, whatever, we're going to focus on you know, high-tech weapons forward deployed, or we're going to focus on controlling the seas and the air. But this just seems like we're just going to cut and that's, that is the strategy, is simply to cut. Right. I think there was a plausible, I'm not sure it was correct, but a plausible uh, account during about the first round of cuts. That, well, we're going to sacrifice a little bit of X for Y, a little mm-hmm. bit of readiness in, ter- in return for having uh, high-tech weaponry or a little bit of sea power in return for having enough ground troops, whatever. We're now in a position, the cuts are now steep enough that we're basically sacrificing everything. I mean, it seems, or at least almost everything, mm-hmm. almost everything you can see in the budget. Maybe we're still spending a lot on cyber security. I hope so. But then there's a piece in the New York Times today. That was the other thing that's sort of maddening. Then you read a piece in the front page of the New York Times today. Obama very wary about using cyber warfare uh, against Syria because God knows they might, you know, retaliate against us, and who knows what would be unleashed. So we're not, so for all that he was at one point pretending that he wanted Assad to go, wanted to, save lives in Syria, cripple Assad's Air Force, etc. Uh, cyber would have been one way to do that, but no, we can't use cyber. So we have a president who's cutting our defenses and doesn't want to use the defenses we have, uh, the, the defense capabilities we have, the, you know, the weaponry we right. have. Uh, the combination is really devastating. devastating. Again, you could, do, you could do one or the other. If you're a tough guy, you can probably get away with a little less than you need sure. in defense. If you're kind of weak, uh, you can make up for the weakness a little bit by just having a massive amount of stuff you know, to use out there. <laughs> if you're cutting and you're weak, it's bad news. So uh, we're not going to bomb Syria despite the use of chemical weapons. We're not, certainly not going to send soldiers into Syria. We're now not even going to send bites into Syria. We're not yeah. going to send mean emails. Into so, I mean, what is uh, the pillow fighting re, uh, deployed? That, what, what's diplomacy, left? Diplomacy, Michael. Maybe oh. you're not aware. Smart power. Oh. You know, John Kerry's got these meetings going in Geneva. Well, the last one didn't work out too well, but he's hopeful. I mean, really, it's become, oh. uh, you know, I hate to even joke about it. I mean, one can be, of course, sarcastic, and mm. I just was, but <laughs> it's terrible. I mean, it's depressing because, again, some of the domestic policy stuff, you know, it's going to collapse, and then mm-hmm. conservatives will have a chance to actually pass better legislation. But this stuff, you can't make up for all the damage that's done, and or it's going to be very hard to and very arduous to. I, I think the Congress can prevent, can mitigate some of the damage now, but 
really a new president is going to have a heck of a task before him in, in foreign defense policy. You know, in Ukraine, uh, uh, I was talking to some people who are defending the president who said essentially, look what the Ukrainians could do on their own. They don't need us. It just proves that America's arrogant. You know, it's in, and we think we have power. We don't. It's really up to the people for self-determination. And I said, look, I agree with you, except when the decision has to be made by either Russia, are we going to allow that self-determination or the people who are wavering in the Ukraine about which side to pick, don't you see that the weaker we are, the tougher we make it for the good guys? The good guys just need us to be strong, not so that we can ride in and rescue them, but so that we've got them, we can get their back. And I'm wondering if you see the same uh, uh, forces at work in Ukraine, or do you think that Ukraine is a bridge too far for Putin and it just, and it, Ukraine's going to go on its own path regardless? No, I very much agree with you. I mean, we had very hopeful signs in Tehran in 2009, very hopeful developments in Damascus in 2011, genuinely pro-Western demonstrations mm -hmm. that threatened the regime in each case. Uh, here in Ukraine, we've had something similar. Now, in this case, it seems to have toppled the regime, at least for a while. But if Putin continues to weigh in and to use all kinds of manner of force and fraud to help his guys in Ukraine, and we stand back and the Europeans stand back and do nothing or do very little, um, I'm, I don't have great, I mean, I, oh God, I hope I got, our guys win anyway, but right. that's a heck of a bet to make that, 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 that the people on our side are so much, uh, you know, uh, uh, just so terrific that they're going to win no matter, even if we don't give them much help, that's not the way the world works. And, uh, that's, it's, uh, that's what's particularly depressing in the sense that there's a lot of places around the world. It's not like these dictators are popular, you know, in a funny way, the thirties was different. Uh, Mussolini, Hitler, I suppose in Japan as well. Mm -hmm. The uh, the dictators were actually popular. It would have been hard. I mean, it was short term, but it would sure. have been hard to, in a way, disrupt them perhaps. But here, people want to get rid of these guys, and they don't want to be part of their uh, people in Syria. Don't want to turn Syria into a killing field, and people in Ukraine don't want to be sort of tools of Putin. But we're not doing much to help the people. I'm afraid you're right, and I don't see any sign that that's going to change uh, with the Obama administration as it is. So, meanwhile, keep your hands off the uh, the cuts for the uh, podcast, Bill. I'll, I'll, I'll talk with the guys here. You no, know. no, I it's have to do. My, it's beyond my control. I, I, I have to do my podcast. Good, good cop, bad cop, kind of thing. You know, <laughs> if, if I can't do my leave Michael, leave Michael alone, <laughs> and the budget guys will say, "Well, sorry, boss. You know, we just got to trim him a little bit. You know, we're going to keep them." The broadcasting equipment will be first rate. It's just a compensation. I think it's the place you can really say. Uh, that's what I was afraid of. You've been listening to the Weekly <laughs> Standard podcast with Bill Crystal. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates with many of the writers you read in the Weekly Standard. I'm your host, Michael Graham.